It can definitely be argued that one approach to understanding the mysteries of the universe would be through understanding the dreidel. So those of you who are fans of modern literature may know that Franz Kafka, the great author, from, uh, it was from Prague, from a Bohemian Jewish family, and he wrote in German. And many times he has Jewish themes hidden in his stories. He, had, he wrote a short story in German, he always wrote in German, called Der Kreisel. Anyone speaks German? Der Kreisel means the top. Very good, excellent. means the top. And it's a very short story. It's about a page long. And it's about a philosopher who is the anti-hero of this short story who becomes obsessed with watching children playing with a top in a park. And this philosopher becomes convinced that all he needs to do to understand the secrets of the entire universe is to grab the spinning top from the children and to watch it spin in his hand. Now, of course, this is a fool's errand because it's impossible. Every time he grabs and he waits for the children to spin the top and then he comes swooping in and he grabs the top. But every time he grabs the top, obviously, it stops spinning. And he becomes very, very frustrated with the fact that he can never grab it, hold it, and have it spin all at the same time. Like, it's either one or the other. And uh, the end of the story, the end of the very short story, becomes disgusted with himself and he hobbles away like a spinning top. Yeah, at any rate, it's interesting. I don't know if Kafka was making a Jewish reference. I don't know if it was supposed to be a dreidel reference. But um, it can definitely be argued that one approach to understanding the mysteries of the universe would be through understanding the dreidel. You believe me? Yeah? Okay. So, I guess I'll tell you like this. Rabbi Nachman Mibreslov in the Sichus Haran writes about the dreidel being symbolic of what we call the Galgala Chayzer Ba'elam. Galgala Chayzer Ba'elam means there's a world, there's a, a, a wheel that turns in the world. And that's an expression from the Gemara from uh, Shabbos, Daf Kufnun Aleph, on the base, where it speaks about the cyclical nature <clears throat> of life. It says, even when you're on the top, don't get too secure. When you're on the bottom, don't despair, because there's an ebb and flow. There's a cyclical nature of life. But Reb uh, Nachman explains it on an even deeper level. He says that the nature of existence itself is a cyclical flow. In what sense? He says that the highest of the high end up being expressed in the lowest of the low, and the lowest of the low end up being expressed in the highest of the high. That infinity and the finite, the spiritual and the material, end up connecting with each other in sort of a cyclical manner, and he says, where is this most manifest? Or where was this? Unfortunately, no longer. 
in a revealed form, but uh, historically, where was this most manifest? In the holy city of Jerusalem, in the holy temple, uh, when the holy temple stood. There you have the ultimate paradox. That on one hand, like it says in the, say from Elohim, in the book of Kings, that the heavens and the heavens of the heaven cannot contain you, meaning God, and yet a physical house is going to be a home for God Almighty. And that's the paradox, that the ultimate home for the infinite one is in the physical realm, and not only in the physical realm, but what is the expression of devotion which elicits divine favor is the sacrifice of animals, so you're talking about something that's very low, something that's physical, material. You're talking about animals, which are a lower level being than a, the, even than a human being. And somehow this is going to elicit divine favor. So Rabbi Nachman says that this is, this is the secret of El Yedim Lamata V'Tachtenim Lamayla, that the spiritual comes down below and the material rises up and that there's this strange sort of uh, looping back, this like a circle where the end becomes the beginning and the beginning becomes the end, or like the Sefer Yitzira says, the Book of Formation, Kabbalistic book based on the teachings of Abraham, that the ends are wedged in the beginnings and the beginnings are wedged in the ends. So it's a funny thing. How do you elicit the essence, the very essence of spirituality? Not from something that happens in the heavens that the angels do, but something that happens on earth. A physical act that's performed by embodied souls here in the physical plane, actually performing acts of devotion with, with animal sacrifices. And that's the secret, that's the mystery of the galgalachaiser, the cyclical nature of the world. Okay, so what does that have to do with a dreidel? Well, first of all, the dreidel spins... So it embodies that spinning, that cycle. But I'll tell you more. The dreidel is a celebration of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the dedication, a rededication, uh, as it were, of what? Of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. So the Greeks came and they desecrated the Holy Temple. And when we rededicated it, we again had that nexus point, that spot in the physical universe where we could touch the highest of the high while standing in the physical realm. And Rabbi Nachman furthermore elaborates that the letters, the letters, everyone knows the letters on the dreidel, right? Which spell out a phrase, Nes Godol Hoya Shom. A great miracle happened there. Nun Gimel Hey Shin. And we're going to talk about the pay, Avi, don't worry about it, I'll get to it. I know that's what you're thinking, I'm going to get to that. But uh, so Rabbi Nachman says, that the Nun Gimel Hey Shin, actually, what does it stand for? If you go in order from highest to lowest, so Hey is Huli. Huli means primordial existence. It's a pre-articulated state where everything sort of is neither chicken nor egg, I guess is the way you could explain it. Philosophically, it's the idea of that which is the quintessence. It's not yet spiritual or material. It's not finite or infinite. It's sort of like the, the building block of all existence. Maybe call it the God particle, if you will. So that's the huli. That's hey. Nivdol. Nivdol is nun. Nivdol means separate or the transcendent. That's talking about the spiritual realms, like where angels reside. 
Then there's galgal. Galgal means the orbit, so that's talking about the celestial. It's physical. It's, we're talking about constellations and planets. It's physical, but it's lofty. And then you have shuffle. Shin is shuffle. Shuffle means the low realm, means the physical realm. So the Nachman says that the letters of the dreidels, huli, nivdal, galgal, shuffle, which describe the gradations of the orders of existence. That which is completely beyond being categorized as spiritual or material, huli. And then you have the, that which is entirely spiritual, which is nivdal, called nivdal. Then you have that which is material, but it's the celestial realm, so it's, it's lofty, that's the, the galgal. And then you have the, the physical, the earthly, the earthly plane, the shuffle. So he says when the dreidel spins, it represents the cyclical nature that how do you get in touch with the deepest essence of spirituality from the physical realm. Now, of course, we don't have the Beis Hamikdash, we don't have the Holy Temple anymore, and we don't do the animal sacrifices in the Holy Temple because of that. But we still very much live with this concept that what a soul in a body can accomplish by doing mitzvahs, by acting out the physical commandments, is incomparably greater than anything that a soul in heaven can accomplish. So again, that's that cyclical nature where we come full circle, that by coming down to the physical realm, we actually have this higher spiritual connection. Now, there's another explanation of these letters, the Nun Gimel Hey Shin, and that's from the Bnei Yisachar. And I'm pronouncing it, it's funny, it's always hard for me to pronounce it Bnei Yisachar because we always say Yisachar. It's actually, it's interesting that um, there was one time a Torah reading in 770, the first year after the Lubavitcher Rebbe accepted the leadership of Chabad, and the Balkaira, the, the one who did the public reading, pronounced, he was Parshas Vayetze, and he pronounced the name of the son of, of Jacob, he pronounced it uh, Yisachar, with two sins. So the Rebbe actually said, we pronounce it always as Yisachar with one sin, and the Rebbe said, I learned this from my father. The, the Rebbe's father was a Makubal, was a Kabbalist, Rebbe Levi Yitzchok Schneerson. And he, he said, he taught me that because, you know, you have Yisachar and Zvulin. Yisachar was the Torah scholar, and Zvulun was the businessman who supported the Torah study of his brother Yisachar. So Torah has nigla and nister. It has a revealed aspect, which is like the legalistic, the halachic, and then it has the mystical, the hidden, the uh, esoteric dimension, like chassidus, kabbalah. So in Torah you have a name which has a double letter. A si in Yisachar it has two sins, but one you pronounce, the other one you don't pronounce, because one represents the Torah that's revealed, the more practical, the legalistic, or the exoteric, and the, uh, the sin that you don't pronounce, which is the spiritual teachings. Anyway, but B'nai Yisoschar pronounced it Yisoschar. And um, remember my, uh, one of my teachers, the uh, great revered Rabbi Dr. Dr. Rabbi, Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tversky, he once told me, what is the punishment for someone who does not learn so he said, uh, what is the punishment for someone who does not learn the Bnei Yisachar? You know what it is? He doesn't learn the Bnei Yisachar. <laughs> That's the punishment. Like, well, you need a worse punishment? It's gishmak. It's good stuff. And now you missed out. So that's your punishment. 
Like, what's the punishment for not eating ice cream? <laughs> you didn't get to eat ice cream. So, uh, the Bnei Yisoskar, Tzvi Elimelech Midinov, he has a whole thing about dreidel at length. But let me just start with how he explains the letters, the uh, Nun Gimel Hei Shin. So he points out that the first time in Tanakh, the first time in, in written scripture that we find those letters all together is in the word Geishna. Geishna is a proper noun with a little bit of a funny uh, suffix to it. The real name of the place is Goshen. You ever go up to the Catskills, you drive up north, uh, there's Goshen, right? Florida. Right? There's also a Goshen, Florida? No, it's near Florida, New York. Oh, it's near Florida, New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell my wife I'm taking her to Florida. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't know that. So Goshen, yeah, but it's named after the biblical Goshen. So Goshen... Uh, depending on your pronunciation. But when you say you're going to a place, there's a funny way of constructing it. You could, you could use the Hebrew letter Lamed as a prefix to mean to, so you could say le goishen, or you could put a hey at the end of the word and you could say goishna. Goishna means to goishen. And so where does it say goishna, to goishen? And what is Goshen? I should explain. It's a, it's a province in Egypt, outside of the settled area. There was the metropolis, which was where the pharaoh lived. And then there was like sort of a rural area, like a, like a more of a low-key type place in Egypt. And that's where, when uh, Joseph finally reunited with his brothers, and his father Jacob also came down there, so that's where they lived. They lived in Goshen. So the word Goshna means to Goshen, to that, that place called Goshen, that, that area within Egypt. Um, interestingly, where, in what Parsha, which Parsha, do we have this word? The verse is, Ves Yehuda Shalach Lafanov Goshna. He, meaning Yankiv Avinu, our forefather Jacob, sent his son Yehuda, Je Judah, ahead of him, ahead of everyone else, to go to settle in Goshen, that is in Parshas Vayigash, which is always the week of Hanukkah. little coincidence there. Um, what is going on there is that Jacob knows he's going into Egypt, and essentially he's preparing for exile. So the remedy, the refuah that comes before the makkah, the preventative medicine, before the Jews go down into Egypt and go down into exile, which eventually turns into bitter slavery, is he sends Yehuda first to Goshen to do what? Lohedes Hesaderech, Rashi explains, to set up a house of teaching, to set up a yeshiva, a place where they learn Torah. Because if the Jews have a place where they can study Torah, then even when they're in exile, they will remain spiritually connected and they will be able to survive and get through the exile. So, what's, what, what, you see the connection here to Hanukkah. That even when we're in exile, and the, the exile of Hanukkah was actually when we're in our land. We weren't in a foreign land. We were in the Holy Land. 
when a foreign power was uh, trying to subvert us. They were fighting a culture war, trying to assimilate us. And uh, how did we survive? Because even though we were under the authority of a foreign power, we had our connection to Torah. So you see the remedy that comes. Jacob sending Judah, Goishna, into Egypt to prep us that we're going to survive this exile as long as we connect to Torah study. Well, that's exactly the Hanukkah story. That as long as we cling to the Torah, we're going to survive. And what did the little Jewish children do when the Hellenists came looking for them, when they outlawed the study of Torah? And we all know the story. They would go and they would hide in the caves and they would study Torah. And if the Greeks would come and uh, try to flush them out, hey, what, what's going on here? And they would say, oh, we're just spinning a top. We're just playing a little game here. And they would hide their scrolls and whip out their, their uh, dreidel. And they would say, we're just playing a game. By the way, why did they choose the game of dreidel? They could have chosen any other. They could have said, we're playing kickball. Maybe it's smaller dreidel. You could hide it in your pocket. It's hard to hide a ball in your, in your pocket. Okay, they could have said, uh, you know, they're playing anything. We're playing uh, tiddly, tiddlywinks or... Is that a game? Yeah, that's a game, right? Kogolach, yeah. So, it's interesting. What did, what did the Greeks want to do? They wanted to remove our faith from us. If we would have been willing to study Torah as a purely secular academic pursuit, they would have left it alone. But we kept insis insisting that it was holy, that it had sacred uh, meaning to it, and they didn't like that. So, they specifically played dreidel because it's a game of chance if it would have been a game of skill okay that's one thing a game of skill means may the best man win but a game of chance means you believe the world is random <laughs> it's not governed by any higher power so that was like sort of part of the that was part of the whole masquerade to make the greeks uh, back off at any rate so the letters on the dreidel in the time of Hanukkah, think about it. These little kids are playing dreidel in the caves. The miracle hadn't happened yet. So it didn't mean nes godo hoyo sham. Hoyo means it was. Also, why would it say sham? There. They were there. It was here. In their day, what did the dreidel stand for? Goishna. Goishna. And it was a reminder to them that we've been through this before and we'll get through this again. And the way we got through Egypt was maintaining our connection to Torah even when foreign powers were trying to suppress us. And so too today. So that's what it stood for, Goshna. Now, I'll go a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper here. This is also according to the Bnei Yasaska. That uh, I've mentioned now the Greek... Oppression, and I also mentioned Egypt. Egypt is the archetype of all exiles. There are actually four total exiles that the Jewish people have suffered under. And the Megala Amukais, who is my ancestor, I always mention that. The Megala Amukais is my ancestor through uh, Liber Hagodol, the founder of the town of Berdichev. He explains that the words Beyomim Horabim Hoheim, and in those many days, he says, Horabim is the Rosh Tevis of Roimi, Bovel, Yovon, Madai. It's not in chronological order, 
but I'll say it in chronological order. Um, Babylonia, also translated, uh, who destroyed the first temple. Media, the or Persian uh, Empire, which was uh, after the, the Babylonian exile or during the Babylonian, Babylonian exile. They're the Purim story, basically. Yavin, which is Greece, the Hellenizers. And the last one, Rome, Rome which is the current exile. Western civilization is a, an inheritor of, of Rome. When Jacob had his dream, Jacob's ladder, he saw the ministering angels of these, of these empires. He saw how first the ministering angel of Babel, of Babylonia, went up 70 rungs of the ladder and came back down, representing the fact that the Babylonians would rule over the Jews for 70 years and then, then be toppled. And then he saw how the ministering angel of Persia went up 52 rungs of the ladder and came back down. And then he saw how Greece went up 180 rungs and came back down. And then he saw the ministering angel of Rome going up and up and up and up and up and never coming back down. And he became very afraid. Will it never end? Will the Roman exile never end? And then in the words of Avadya the prophet, who was a ger tzedek, a righteous proselyte from the Edomites. He was a Roman convert to Judaism and became a prophet. So in his words, he says that Hashem promises that even if Edom, Rome, will lift itself up like an eagle, Misham Hashem, Hashem says, I will bring you down from there. So the last exile of our people, the Roman exile, will be a very long exile, 2,000 years and counting, unfortunately, but eventually Hashem himself will bring that exile down. So what does this have to do with dreidel and the four letters on the, on the, on the dreidel? It has to do with the fact that um, the Maharal, Maharal mi Prague, I mentioned before that Franz Kafka was from Prague, so there you got your Prague connection. Um, the Maharal says like this, that each of these four oppressors targeted a particular aspect of the Jewish people. A person is made up of different aspects. The nefesh, which is his spirituality. The guf, which is his body, his physicality. The seichel, which is his mind. And hakoil, which means everything. It's sort of the, the entire package as it uh, is all interconnected. So he says like this. The Babylonians attacked the Jewish nefesh, the Jewish soul. How so? Because they destroyed the temple, and the temple was the place, as we mentioned earlier, of sacrifices. And sacrifice is an, is an atonement for the soul. Like the Torah says, nefesh ki sakriv. When a nefesh, when a soul, will bring an offering for atonement. So they attacked the Jewish soul by removing the temple, which was our way of atoning our souls. Then you have, after that, historically, Persia. They attacked the goof, the body. Haman, what did he want to do? It wasn't a religious war. He wasn't trying to assimilate us. He was trying to kill us. He wanted to kill Jews. So that's goof, that's the body. The Greeks, Yovan, the Hellenists, 
their whole thing was intellect, was seichel. They wanted us to learn Torah philosophically instead of as a, uh, instead of with a Kedusha, with holiness. And Rome, unfortunately, did all of those things. Hakoil, they did it all. They destroyed the Besamekdash, they destroyed the second temple, just like the Babylonians destroyed the first temple. They killed Jews, they, they massacred Jews, just like the Persians wanted to kill Jews. They used their philosophers to try to uh, taint our worldview, meaning the seichel, the mind of the Jewish people, just like the Greeks did. The Romans sort of inherited all of the Greek uh, ideology. And uh, so basically, hakoil, they did everything, the whole package deal. So what is that? The letters of the dreidel. The nun is nefesh. That's what the Babylonians attacked, the soul, by destroying the temple. The gimel is guf, the body. That's what the Persians did. The hay, I'll do it in the order that it's on the dreidel. The hay is hakoil, everything, what the Romans did. And the shin is seichel, shin or sin, same letter, is seichel, the intellect, that's what the Greeks did. So you have the four letters of the dreidel representing these four kingdoms that oppressed the Jewish people. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. We are surrounded on all sides. So as the dreidel is spinning, the Jewish people are the center point, and around us, we're being surrounded we're being encircled by these oppressors on every side. But at the same time, remember, as you envision this, they are divided and we are united because they're each on four different sides. So those who oppress the Jews have disunity. Maybe the only thing they agree on is that they all hate Jews. <laughs> But they are divided. They're the four different sides of the dreidel. The Jewish people are the center point of the dreidel. We have unity. And ultimately, what will happen? Now, you're going to say, these kingdoms are trying to destroy us. So what do we want to do to them? We want to destroy them. No, actually not. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to destroy them. They want to destroy us. We don't want to destroy them. You know what we want to do? We want to unite them. We want to unite them. We want to unite the world. What does it say? That when Mashiach comes, Ki oz, that then, Hashem says, elho amim safa I'm going to transform the language of the people to be a pure language. That the entire world will have a language for speaking about God's oneness. That they should all unite in calling out in the name of Hashem. Shem Echod completely united as one, a, a united front. So ultimately, the four sides of the dreidel that are surrounding the Jewish people, or the central point, we will eventually prevail and unite them all around us to serve God as well. And then the entire world will be focused on one goal, the service of Hashem as a united front. And that is why, furthermore, if you count the letters, the numerical value of the letters, we have Nun, which is 50, Gimel, which is 3, He, which is 5, Shin, which is 300. So what do you get? 50 plus 3 plus 5 plus 300. Any accountants? 358. 
And 358 is a couple of things. First of all, it's nachash. You know what a nachash is? A snake, not just a snake, the snake. Nun, ches, shin. Nun is 50, ches is 8. Shin is 300. So when we finally unite the entire world, even those who try to oppress us, and we get everybody focused on serving God, what will happen? We will transform the source of all evil, the primordial serpent, the Nachish himself, will become transformed into a helper, a Shamish Gadol, like the Gemara says, become a big helper, a good attendant. The entire world will put down all of their self-serving agenda, and they will focus on promoting the knowledge of God, and what will happen when that Nachash, that primordial serpent, is transformed, will have Mashiach, which is also 358. Mem is 40, and Shin is 300, and Yud is 10, and Ches is 8. So you add that up, the letters of Mashiach, and you get also 358. So what do you have? You have the whole history of the Jewish people with all of the four kingdoms that tried to undermine us, and we're surrounded on all sides, and what's our final solution? We know what their final solution against us is. Our final solution is to bring them all into a united front to serve God and to know the truth, that we want to unite the entire world in peace and in knowledge of God. By the way, that's our global Jewish conspiracy, if you really want to know. We want to unite the entire world to know God and to serve God together. Pretty nefarious of us. Now, Avi was upset about the fact that he wanted me to talk about the Israeli dreidels. That's, I, I could read your facial expression. I knew what you wanted me to speak about. So first of all, let me tell you something. That the Israeli dreidels is a new thing. The Nes Godel Hoya Pai. Well, you should probably, you should probably say it the way the Nes Gadol Haya Po. Right, okay. With the right Havara. Havara. Okay. So, I don't know when that started happening, but I did look it up, and I wanted to know when the word, uh, what do they call the, the dreidel? Svivon? Yeah, so that I found out is from the 1870s. Ben Yehuda's son, Itamar, when he was five years old, he made up that word. That's what I heard. That's, my, that's what my research department tells me. At any rate, so what do you do about the fact that in Israel, they don't say, Nes Sham, a great miracle happened there, because it's not there, it's here, we're in the Holy Land, right? So, you know how it changes the math? It messes up the math. You want to do the math? So, Basically, the, the shin, which was 300, gets switched for a pay, which is 80. So you end up being, what, 220 short. So 358 minus 220 is 138. Am I doing my math correctly? Does that make sense? No, you're not. No? No, no, just the first letter. You're just counting the first letter. So you have nun, which is 50. Nace, then you have Godel, Gimel, which is three, so now we're up to 53. Hey is, Hoya was, Hey is five, so now we're up to um, 
58. And then you have the pay for pull, which means here, which is 80. So 58 plus 80, 138. Okay. So now we got 138. What are we going to do with 138? So I have good news for you. We spoke to a Jewish accountant, and we, <laughs> we made it work. Mashiach has many names. Mashiach has many names. In the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah, he refers to Mashiach as Tzemach, which means this sprouting, because he, he'll sprout forth. He says, Tzemach Shmoy. Tzemach is his name. And Tzemach is Tzadik, which is 90, Mem, which is 40, Ches, which is 8. So 90 plus 40 plus 8, 138. So Tzemach is 138. So Nes Poi, 138, is Tzemach. And if you like a bargain, <laughs> I'll tell you something else that 138 is. Do you know that uh, the third Chabad Rebbe wrote a sefer called Tzemach Tzedek? And he was known as the Baal Tzemach Tzedek. We refer to him as the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek. Why did he write that, uh, why did he use that title? Because his name was Menachem Mendel. Same name as the seventh Rebbe, who is his descendant. So Menachem is the same gematria as Tzemach, and Mendel is the same gematria as Tzedek. So 138 is also Menachem. And Menachem is one of the names in Gemara Sanhedrin of Mashiach. It says in the Gemara Sanhedrin, I think Daf Tzadik Ches, Amid Aleph, that there were different opinions, the name of Mashiach, obviously, they're all valid opinions, but uh, it says, some said the Mashiach's name is Menachem, others said Shiloi, some said Yanai, some said Hanina. By the way, if you notice, those four names, Menachem, Shiloi, Yanai, and Hanina, are an acronym for Mashiach. Mem, Shin, Yud, Ches. Menachem is Mem, Shiloi is Shin, Yanai is Yud, Hanina is Ches. So those four names are also the, the initials or the, the acronym of, of Mashiach. So Menachem is also 138. So even on the Israeli dreidels where it says next Godo Hoya Poi and it's 138. So it's the same gematria as Tzemach and Menachem, which are both Mashiach. So we can't get away from Mashiach. Okay. Now, I don't know how many people are familiar with this, but when I was a kid, we used to sing a song. It goes like this. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of clay. And when you're dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I will play. You heard the song? Oh, you also knew it? Okay. Now, do you know there's alternative verses? Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of sand. When I went to spin you, you crumbled in my hand. There's another one. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of snow. I put you in the oven. Oh, dreidel, where'd you go? That's cute. Okay. All right. What should a dreidel be made out of? What should a dreidel be made out of? Everything in Judaism, you have these building uh, specs. Everything's so specific, what everything has to be made out of. Where do you see that there's a specific... Uh, specs for what a dreidel should be made out of. So I'll tell you it's interesting. It does, first of all, a dreidel is not a halacha. It's not a Jewish law. It's a, it's a custom. 
So it doesn't say anywhere specifically what it has to be made out of. But uh, I'll tell you, there were great rabbis who did particularly focus on the, the material of the dreidel. The Chsam Seifer used to have a silver dreidel. And he used to actually play sil the, the, the silver dreidel with his children on Hanukkah. He would have the great Chsam Seifer. He would get down and play dreidel with his children. And he used a silver one because uh, hider mitzvah, beautifying, beautifying a mitzvah. So if you want to get a silver dreidel, there's a source for that. But uh, the Bnei Yisascha, who we were mentioning before, says you should use wood. Interesting, nobody says clay, in, in, with all apologies to the famous song. Made you out of clay, nobody says clay. Bnei Yisascha says wood. Why wood? Tell you something interesting. So we mentioned that that word Goshna, Jacob sent Judah to Goshen. That happens in which Parsha? Anyone remember? Vayigash, which is the week of Hanukkah. In the Haftorah of Vayigash, which is from the book of Yechezkel, Ezekiel, not the bread, but the prophet. It says that Ezekiel has a vision where God tells him to take a piece of wood, an eitz. He calls it an eitz. He says, Take one piece of wood and write on it Yehuda. Remember, there was a division between the tribes, the different kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom at that time. And you should take another eitz, another piece of wood, and write on it Yosef, which are the other tribes. So you have Yehuda and Yosef representing the, the leadership of the two different Jewish kingdoms during, during the time of Jewish civil war. And then put them together. This is what it says in the Haftorah of Ayigash. Put them together until they become Le'etz Achod to one piece of wood. They should merge miraculously. They should turn into one in your hand. They should turn into one in your hand. So obviously the connection to the Parsha is that Yankiv Avino is sending Yehuda to Yosef. Yosef, Joseph is already in Egypt. And he sends, remember we said Goshna, who gets sent to Goshen? Yehuda, Judah, to go to Yosef who's already there in Egypt. So in the Parsha you have the unification or the reunification, the reunion of Yehuda and Yosef. And in the Haftorah, what do you have? The reunification of Yehuda and Yosef as representative of two different kingdoms that were divided in a bitter civil war. Which did not happen yet, but will happen in the times of Mashiach. This is what Yechezkel is envisioning. Is, is, is envisioning the reunification of the Jewish people during the times of Mashiach. So what is the reunification of Judah and Joseph, Yehuda and Yosef, in addition to it being the coming together of all the tribes, meaning Jewish unity, but Yehuda, the name Yehuda in Hebrew, is Hashem's name, Yud Kevavke, a Yud and a He and a Vav and a He, which is Hashem's ineffable name, which we don't pronounce, with a Dalit in it. What's a Dalit? Dalit is four. Aleph, base, gimel, Dalit, right? Dalit is four. What is four? I'll tell you one four that I know. 
what we said earlier, the four kingdoms that oppressed us and drove us into exile. So when Mashiach comes, you're going to have Hashem revealed in the entire world and to unite the entire world, which is represented by the four kingdoms which oppressed us. Furthermore, what it's going to be united for represents the four corners of the earth. The entire world is going to come, irrespective of geographical location, the entire world will be united in the service of God. So Yehuda represents yud ke vav ke with a dalit in it, meaning the power of God uniting what the four kingdoms did to us and what being geographically dispersed across the four corners of the globe did to us that will all be re reversed. The disunity will turn into unity. And of course, who is a descendant of Yehuda? Mashiach himself. Mashiach is a Davidic king. He's from the dynasty of King David, who was from the tribe of Judah. So the reunification of Judah and Joseph in the Haftorah is um, hinting to the unity that's going to prevail when Mashiach comes, not just between the Jewish people, but the entire world. And how is that embodied in Yechazkel's vision? By holding in your hand a piece of wood. So, not the Chassam Sever, the Chassam Sever used silver, but the Bnei Yisoscha used wood, because he said when you use a, a dreidel made of wood, you're invoking this idea that you're holding in your hand, just like Hashem told Yechezkel, a piece of wood which represents the unity of the Jews and the unity of the, uh, ultimately of, of the entire world. Okay. Now, Let's, uh, let's talk about something else about the dreidel, not just the letters that are written on the sides. Let's talk about how a dreidel is used. You know how a dreidel is used? You know what you do with it? How you use it? Yeah, you spin it. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's not a trick question. You hold on to the handle or the stem and you twist it, right? And it spins. So also from the Bnei Yasaschari, so very interesting. There are two rabbinic holidays, Hanukkah and Purim. Hanukkah is represented by the dreidel. You spin the dreidel. Purim, you have the grager, the noisemaker, when you're booing the name of Haman. So he says they both spin. They both spin. What's the difference, though? How you hold them. Dreidel, you go, you go from the above to below. You, you come down like the... A grogger, you go below, above. You hold it from the bottom and you spin it on top. So he says like this. <laughs> In the times of Hanukkah with the Maccabees, the whole thing was a, mir a miraculous occurrence. Like the, everything. Like the military victory to begin with. It's not really possible the tiny little band of uh, guerrillas are going to beat the most organized military in the world. So that was a miracle. And then we found the, the oil. And the oil stayed lit for eight days. So everything was miraculous, meaning it's coming from above to below. It's God raining divine kindness down upon us. Purim was the exact opposite. There are no overt miracles. In fact, in the Purim story, as recorded in the Megillah, 
God's name is not mentioned once. The whole thing can be attributed to just weird things that happened. Um, king couldn't sleep. King uh, killed his wife. Um, Mordecai was in the right place at the right time. Like palace intrigue, stuff that just, you know, a fluke, but like nothing miraculous, nothing supernatural. And, uh, oh, wow, just really lucky. Oh, wow, what a coincidence. Oh, and then Esther happened to be the, 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 the become the queen at that time, just at that time. Wow, everything just really worked out well. So the whole thing is below to above. And also the Jewish people, they had to re reconfirm their commitment to Hashem without miracles in their lives. So that's, again, below to above. Because they have to look within themselves and find that desire to, to, to commit to Hashem. It's not something where Hashem is overwhelming us with, with signs and wonders. It's more like introspective. That's what Purim was. You had to look within and find that connection. That's why also the way we observe Hanukkah and Purim is different. On Hanukkah, we light the menorah, we get light. Light is intangible. It represents spirituality. On Purim, it's all physical. We eat, we give our friends food, and we give money to the poor. It's all physical. Also, Hanukkah was, was a culture war. They wanted to get rid of the way that we studied Torah. We spoke about it earlier. That's why Yavin is the sin of Seichel, not sin Asayan, but sin, the Jewish, the Hebrew letter, sin. Seichel, remember we said according to the Maharal, Yavin is Seichel. So there was, it was a culture war. But uh, Persia was, they wanted to physically exterminate us, get rid of our bodies. So Hanukkah is spiritual, Purim is physical. And that's why when we commemorate them, Hanukkah being spiritual, you come at the dreidel from on top, from above to below, because that's spirituality, God's hand. And when you celebrate Purim, you come at the Gragar from below, because that's the whole story of Purim, everything coming from human power, or apparently coming from human power, from below to above. Um, I'll tell you a Hanukkah story, dreidel story, that happened in our day and age. There was a, you know, there still is, a rabbi, he's a rav in Staten Island, Rabbi Moshe Mayer Weiss, and he's known for many things. He gives shurim, and he wrote some books about education for children, and I guess that's why Milton Bradley called me. You know who Milton Bradley is? So I believe Milton Bradley got bought out by Parker Brothers. You can Google it afterwards. But they're a toy or a game company. So Milton Bradley wanted to sell a packaged version of Dreidel. And they're like a whole thing. Like, what do you need Milton Bradley to, for a Dreidel for? But it was going to be like, a, first of all, it's supposed to like light up. And also they were going to sell you the chips that you're supposed to use for. It's a whole thing. So they contacted Rabbi Weiss in Staten Island. And asked him, they said, we know that you're a, a rabbi and you write about education and we're doing this kids game. Could you write for us kid-friendly directions or instructions? You know, when you have a game, it has instructions, right? Could you write for us the instructions 
for how to play this game. So, uh, so he wrote, he wrote the instructions. He just wrote straightforward, like the instructions that we all know. He explained to them, you have four letters. It stands for Nes Godel, HaYesham, a great miracle happened there. So, uh, they came back to him and they said, well, this doesn't make sense to us because like we're looking at it and we were like comparing what each of these, these Hebrew letters, what English word they, they correspond to. So you're saying the nun is miracle. Nun is nace is miracle. So how come that's, that's nothing? That should be like the best one. Or like Shom is there. That means your holy city of Jerusalem. That should also be good. And you have to put in, like, what, what's going on here? So then he, he explained to them more, like, the, the Yiddish meanings. That nun is nisht, nothing. It's Yiddish. That uh, gimel is, is, is gantz, you get everything. And uh, hey is halb, you get half. And shin is shtel, you put in. So then they came back to him and they said, our research department tells us that in the times of Hanukkah, the Yiddish language did not yet exist. <laughs> now, just to pause for a second, this story. But I told you earlier, let's see if you remember, that in the times of Hanukkah, what letters did they have? The same letters we have, except they didn't stand for Nes Godel Hoyasham, it stood for Goishna. Oh, I told you the answer. <laughs> what did it stand for in the times of Hanukkah? Goishna. Okay, so we know it stood for Goishna, which means the power to survive exile. But it still doesn't explain why each of those letters means what it means in the context of the game. Like the Yiddish is very good. The Yiddish does help you to understand it. But why do each of these four letters mean what they mean in the game? So here's what Rabbi, oh, Rabbi Weiss wrote back to them. He said, the Hebrew alphabet starts with an Aleph. Aleph is the first letter. And Aleph means one. And who is one? Hashem. God is one. Also, if you look at the way an Aleph is written, it hints to Hashem. Because it's uh, a dot and a dot and a line, which is a Yud and a Yud. And a vav. A yud is 10, a yud is 10, a vav is 6, a 10, 10, and 6 is 26, and that's yud ke vav ke. The same numerical value as a yud and a he and a vav and a he. But at any rate, Aleph is one. Who is one? Hashem is one. So he says like this King David said, Vani. For me, my opinion, just my opinion, you could disagree, but for me, closeness to God is good. Being close to God is good. So it says like this. You look at these letters on the dreidel. Why is it this? I mean, I don't think he explained to him why it was those four letters. Well, we know because it's Goishna. But however it became those four letters, he said, here's why each one of them corresponds to the moves in the game that they correspond to. 
because you look, which of those letters is closest to the Aleph, is closest to Hashem? So Gimel is pretty close. You just Aleph, base Gimel. It's very close to Aleph. So that's the best one. And then, and then you have the hey. Hey is a little bit further away. Aleph, base Gimel, Dalit, hey. Okay? So that's only half. You get half the pot. And then you have much further down the, the Nun. The Nun is like in the second half of the Aleph base already. Once you get past Mem, Mem is the central letter. So once you get past Mem, you're already in the, in the back half. So Nun is nothing happens. And then the way down furthest from the Aleph is the Shin. Shin is almost the very last letter. It's the penultimate letter in the Aleph base. So that's the furthest away from the Aleph. So then you have to put in. And what does this teach us? <laughs> that it's good to be close to Hashem. And that even when you're playing a child's game, the real way to win this game and the real way to win at life and the real way to have any type of success is kirvas alakim, is closeness to Hashem. So we should remember that whatever we do, whether it's spinning dreidel with our kids or it's eating latkes or sufganyot, or anything it is that might seem like it's just fun, or it's just cultural Judaism, or it's just nice family time, which it is, it is all those things. But we have to remember that all of this stuff has deep, deep, deep meaning. If you know the deep meaning, it's even better. But even if you don't know the deep meaning, have in mind that whatever it is that the deep meaning is, whatever I'm doing right now should bring me closer to Hashem. And when we're close to Hashem, we win.